proudest day, and the proudest time, and the, the seat of a relic here. Because that day, and that hour, and those minutes, I got the butt between my teeth. You know, I really stood up and was counted and said, this is not getting away. I remember when we pulled on our helmets, and, and, and Dolan says to me, what are we doing? I said, we're going for gold, Barrett. That's all we said. I can still picture that run. That was just the best, best run ever. Welcome along to Crunching Gears, the Rally Podcast, Season 3, Episode 6. Um, before we begin, we'd like to pass on our deepest condolences to the family of Austin Fraser, who passed away last week. Austin, what he done for rally in the 70s and 80s, um, you know, that only speaks volumes for the man. He set standards that are still being put in place to this day. And I spoke to Rory Kennedy about Austin and we recalled some of the, the lovely stories about the man. Uh, Austin was such a big part of Irish rallying and nowhere, you know, was that more prevalent than Donegal. He was the guy that laid the foundation for the Donegal rally that we know and love today. He was the first COC back in 1972. That's right, Kevin. It's hard to believe I, back, way back in in those years. Um, you know, very sad week, obviously, with um, Austin passing away. And we were at his funeral there yesterday and all his friends from way back in yesteryear, all the older drivers and um, all his friends really there. I, I was down back sort of even and sort of taking an overview. And it was, it was great to see... Uh, you know, so many people there it just goes to show the steam and the high regard that he was held. Like, um, I for one, uh, obviously, offer my um, sympathies and condolences to Dorian and um, to Dorian, and Nigel, and Gail and family. But anyway, um, it really was, as the clergyman said yesterday, it was a celebration of Austin's life, and there's some uh, very good stories told. And uh, Nigel, Nigel Fraser gave a very, a very good uh, eulogy, eulogy on his father, and I thought it was very touching. And, uh, summed him up quite well as a family man and then of course Cal Curley, CB himself he sort of lightened the load with um, with a very nice um, eulogy as well, going back to the days that they spent together and obviously they had great success back then but as you say, Boston was very much involved in the Donegal Rally back in its infancy, back in the years when uh, Fonsi McAwee and Jim Callan decided they were going to run a rally once they, they had the know how they had the roads and so on and uh, knew how to go or didn't know quite how to go about it. So they just went straight to the top and they, they went and seeked out Austin and got Austin to come along and get involved as clerk of the course. And Austin had the expertise and the know-how and the boys, uh, Jim Callan and Walsh McAwee, they were able to get behind it and do whatever had to be done on the ground. And really, you know, Austin, the very architect of the rally, built the rally to what it is this this very day. It's incredible to think that, you know, they created that way back in 72 and mm-hmm. what an incredible thing has become in terms of, you know, if you look at the economic benefits and tourism and um, everybody gets the benefit. Obviously, I'm from Donegal and I've seen, I've grown up at the rally and I've seen what it brings and see how the town prospers and the county prospers from it. So mm-hmm. it was an incredible achievement and, you know, um, uh, I knew Austin personally as well, obviously. And, um, uh, you know, any time I needed to know something, Austin was my go-to man, and he was very professional, and always had the right answer, and he will advise you in the right direction. Yeah, because like you know, fifty, you know, two years ago, like Austin Fraser was still a young man; like he was only in his early thirties. To take on the responsibility of creating, you know, the Donegal 
and you know, and it was right from the start. They had, you know, this was going to be an international rally. This was going to be a top class event. This wasn't just going to be another club event. This was going to be special. They had high aspirations right from the start. Yeah, very high aspirations, and um, uh, and and you know, we had drivers like Russell Brooks and Nigel Rocky and all these iconic names from way back in the day used to come and do the rally, mm-hmm. and um, like it was great foresight and great ambition and determination to make the rally happen. And, you know, um, those boys, that, those, they were really pioneers, really, you know, and mm-hmm. the rally really developed like those. The rally just got bigger, bigger, and bigger all down through the years. And really it's, you know, Austin was a cornerstone of all that in the beginning. Because mm-hmm. even, you know, as early as 75, when Warmball came over to do the event, Vatman came over to do the event, you know, guys like that, and, that, you know, it was around, you know, it wasn't maybe one of the, the high coefficients, but around the European Championship, for a rally that was only three, three or four years old, like it would be untold, unheard of nowadays. Well, but uh, you know, it's it's something, um, something that they aspired to back then. You know, and showed the ambition. And I always say, even when I'm chatting to my own folks here, they always say, ambition is a very powerful thing. Like, and you know, if you apply yourself, it's amazing what can be done. And you know, they set the they set the standard. And you know, a lot of a lot of rallies in Ireland back then. You know, got a lot of advice from Donegal as well, and seen how it could be done, and they developed their own rallies. But um, fuck here, it was it's um, it's unbelievable to think, you know, that Austin came and he put the rally together. He provided all the expertise. He was the very architect of the rally. Then he went on to compete on the rally with Billy Coleman in nineteen seventy-seven mm-hmm. and won the rally and a Lancia Stratus. Yes, you know that that too as well as you know it's just testimony to the man. And then of course. Roll on another ten years to eighty-seven mm-hmm. when him and Bertie won the rally in the in the Mandalay. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it's really an incredible story. You know, of, um, of success both yeah. as an organizer and as a competitor. Now. Yeah, and like you know, we tend to forget as well, like Bertie and Austin took you know time away from rallying and like eighty-six as well, and like uh, or eighty-five, I should say, and then into eighty-six as well. And like Irish rally was in a real dark place, you know, with insurance and one thing or another. And Donegal was the first rally back that year. And Austin and Bertie, they were there again, you know, let's make this thing happen. They were there, safety officer. And like, that was a whole new thing at that stage. And they created that. And now it's just, you know, it's just taken as part of the event now. It's, you know, they set the standards even then. Yeah, for sure. And again, you know, when you have the right people involved, like they went straight back with Bertie and Austin to come back as as uh, safety officers, like and they're very responsible people and and um, competitors that compete at a very high standard. Like so, their their feedback and uh, their input was going to be very important. And people, obviously, um, people um, people respected their their opinion and they were asked to come and do the job and did it. And that was the beginning of rallying back in Ireland again mm-hmm. at that time, like. That's for sure. You know, that's for sure. So another incredible mm-hmm. thing that Austin was really very much involved in. We came back in the year, just to go back to the the, the founding year, 72, 73. I'm not quite sure which year this was. But back then, rallying was very big in Ireland and the UK. And Ford used to have what they called Ford Rally Man of the Month Award every month. And traditionally, that was always awarded to the best driver or maybe the best co-driver and so on, month, month in and month out. Very prestigious award to get. But Austin Fraser won that award and put the Donegal Rally in its place. He's the only co-driver, or well, only organizer, organizer. Uh-huh. that had ever uh-huh. won it. And hey, the Ford Rally Man of the Month back then was a very, very prestigious award to get. Like. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, it just goes to show 
what the man was capable of. Like. Yeah, and you know, took the very uh, bold decision in them early years as well was to introduce pace notes to Irish rally. You know, he wanted to you know encourage guys to come from overseas that they would be have a fair crack at the rally as well too. And like that was on here of in Ireland as well was pace notes, and again was a game changer. And you know, and then when eighty two we'll fast forward, Hammond Bertie won the Ulster Rally the first time that uh, pace it notes was, were used yeah. in the, the, the Ulster Rally as well too. You know, so. yeah. yeah. Um, well, again, Austin recognised very quickly that you you know if you're going to attract the top drivers, they have to be competing on an even keel, <laughs> and so the only way to do that was have a recce parade. And I remember as a child then being out on the stages and. Waiting to see Curly coming past on the recce, you know, and so on, out in Trento, which is only not too far from where we used to live at that time. And the recce for the rally was a huge thing because you get this big influx of all these drivers coming and minis and Mark One escorts and Capris and all this sort of maybe not Anglia and stuff, you know. And the rally was was um odd, it was incredible back then. It was a huge thing it came to town. Like. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then you know, like that then to go ahead then, you know, a couple of years later then, you know, with the great Billy Coleman and the Lindsay Stratus and won the rally. Like, how good a feeling must that have been for him, this rally that you'd helped to create? Suddenly then you were standing on top of the ramp spraying the champagne. That must have been such a cool feeling for him too. Uh, I'd say it was incredible for him. I, well, it's just reward really for, for his efforts as well, you know, but it's a, it's an incredible. Believe it or not, just as a wee note on that, James Coleman was there, of course, the Donegal rally once. Mm-hmm. And he went on then to win it twice as well. So yeah. mm-hmm. just as we say, not like um no, but for for um Austin to do that was excellent. But I remember I remember Austin back when he was competing with Bernie and the Mantas and I think James McDade and me were competing on the rally, or Vincent Moner and me were competing on the rally, and we're always, you know, in in the top five or whatever. And I remember Bernie was leading and of course they went to Fanad down, down to Fanad Head and the big push was on, everybody's very close sometimes. And Bertie's bogey stage is always fanned. Like, and sure enough, we come down the stage, and here was Bertie sitting beached on a bloody wee ditch, you know. And we get out to the end of the stage, and I was thinking, friggin' hell, they've lost the lead, like, because they were, felt, you know, slipped up, weren't even off, off the road, they're only sitting sort of on their belly, beached on the side of the road. Uh-huh. Eventually, they got pushed, and away they went again, and joined, re- or, or caught up again. And when I saw Austin, I was, I was devastated, thinking, they've lost the lead. And Austin, he got out. And he was smiling and joking and, you know, he's, ah, that's what happens. And, you know, when you push that hard, these things happen. And so I thought, I still remember him saying that, how philosophical he was and how professional he was. He wasn't coming out effing and blinding and break this and break that. Like, you know, his attitude was incredible back then. I, I can still remember him saying, or speaking to him at that time and I'm saying that, like. Yeah. And like, we've often talked about, you know, the level of professionalism that Bertie brought to Irish Rally. And like, it's well seen that you know that Austin was part of that as well too. He brought Irish Rally into a whole new level, yes, in Donegal, but beyond that as well. Like he he was one of the guys instrumental in the reforming of the Enniskill Motor Club and brought that you know to a really good place as well. He was president of it for I don't know how many years in a row as well. A lot of years, I. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you see, the benefit Austin had was that Austin competed internationally and went travelled far and wide to do rallies. You know. And somebody by doing that, you, you know, you pick up all the things that other rallies do, you know, the positive things that you can bring back to your own rally. And there's other things you learn, of course, that are, that don't do the rally any good that you sort of weed out. But it's some very good ideas. And Austin's very, very nature, you know, even when you met him outside the rally and everything, he was a very pleasant man. And he was very professional in his own work. And by all accounts, the people who worked with him loved him as well. And his mannerism and the way he went about things, 
And he also did the same when he was rallying. Like, that carried right forward into there. He was a man that never swore he was, was fricking jiggers, this type of thing. Like. Uh-huh. Yeah, cause <laughs> so, it, um, you think even the two, the, the year that they lost the breaks in Galway, like, yeah. You know, he never, he didn't even seem to get flustered by it at all, you know. And Bertie was, you know, weaving down between the cars and one thing and another day. And he, he, he just remained so calm, you know. And, yep, that's done. And then, you know, they interviewed him back in service. And, yep, you know, we're, we're, we know what the problem was, we got it fixed. And, you know, let's go again kind of thing. <clears throat> yeah, it's very very analytical. Like, he can he assess the thing very well, you know. Yeah. And um, that interview, I just watched that last night, actually, them. And straight on in Galway, uh, uh-huh. unbelievable, remarkable. Yeah. Uh, that nothing, that it wasn't a big accident there. Uh-huh. So it was. No, Austin again was great spokesman and a great man. You know, to put in front of the camera to give an opinion, like yeah. you know. And um, it was oh, here he was a great man, a great rally man. And even after he retired, I believe he went to play golf, and um, it was a big part of the Lock Aaron Golf Club. That was very evident yesterday. He has made a huge impression in the golfing world as well. When you went, mm-hmm. when you're at the funeral yesterday, you see the many people that were resplendent and their lock iron blazers mm-hmm. and all, and the, the high esteem and high regard they had for mm-hmm. there as well. Like, so it looked like he carried all that when he retired to the golfing. Yeah, because I, 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 Nigel said he only took up the golfing after he finished rallying. So like, you know, in relative terms, it was a short time he was playing golf, but he rose yeah. through the ranks very quickly there as well. Oh, right. Very quickly, I that's right. Uh, oh, here I'd say if he applied himself to Austin, could have, could have, um, he'd be right up there, you know. But look, it's even as well, came back in more modern days when, um, when Verdi was in the gold star manta or the sorry, the shell gold card manta, and Jimmy McRae was in the AC Delco manta, mm-hmm. Russell Brooks and Andrew Seat for hire. They all used to come, you know, to meets before the circuit and before the Ulster. Mm-hmm. And Austin was a very big player in all of that with TM dealer sport, you know. And planning the planning the movement schedules and service schedules and putting it all together and you know it was very it was very much uh, part of that on the side of the pond if you like uh-huh. for GM dealer sport as well you know when they were coming over here as a professional team like yeah uh-huh. you know, and then huge input there as well and then you know from the he knew he was winding back his career and all like I would say he had played a part in getting you you know and with Bertie too because like with somebody with such knowledge and such professionalism. Bertie would probably seek his counsel on who would be a good man to get in the seat then as well. Aye, well, that's uh, that's a nice thought, Kevin. I and um, I was very, I was, I used to go to Austin about lots of stuff, you know, back then, and um, always valued his opinion. And he's a great man to bounce something off. So when my opportunity came, I know to replace him on the tough night team. I, of course, I grabbed it with both hands. I can assure you that. But I spent a lot of time with Austin before the first rally, and we talked a lot about what the expectation was and. You know about um, you know your commitment to it and uh, fit for the job and all that. But now he endorsed me, which is a, a, which I was very proud of. And um, we went on, Jesus, we went on. Then we won a lot of rallies. And I often used to meet him after that. I'd say, since you retired, we only started one of rallies. After <laughs> <laughs> so as Nigel alluded to yesterday, you were one of the the students of the Austin Fraser. Was it the School of Rallying? Was it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would have to attest to that, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a great man and a great loss, really, yeah. for rallying. And so a man that was held in huge esteem by everybody. You know, yeah. you look, as I say, you look at the funeral yesterday, hey, mm-hmm. it was even 
Robin Armonzo was there, if you remember yeah. him, Kim, uh -huh. way yeah. back uh -huh. yeah. a million years ago. Like yeah. Hugh O'Brien, Cal Curdy, obviously. Yeah. You know, all these older drivers. then, yeah. yeah. Austin McHale. Merriman uh -huh. Johnson. Johnson. Uh -huh. That's right. And here we could go on, Freddie Patterson. And mm -hmm. There were so many um, older drivers from back in the day that, mm -hmm. you know, we used to rally with Austin. Like, and it was, yeah. Brian Nelson was there too, I suppose. That's right, yeah. Long and and, and yeah. even all the Sydney Week mechanics, you know, it shows the high regard he was held in that the mechanics right. made the journey there as well too, which was lovely. To That's see. right. Mm -hmm. We're all there. See, they all worked very closely with Austin uh -huh. through the years. Like, and, and boys don't forget anybody, you know, no. somebody like that. They learned a lot from Austin as well. Like, I can uh -huh. assure you that. Yeah. I certainly learned a huge amount from them. Like, yeah. And know, then for and whenever Bertie was turning his hand to, you know, helping to organise an event, the Summit Rally, you know, the go-to guy was Austin there once again. He played a huge part in that event as well. Right. Exactly. That's right. And that was only a one-off event. It was run once and never ran again. Like, uh -huh. you know. And like, that was, you know, that was the time, wasn't it Foot and Mouth that was here at that time, wasn't it? Or, or was it well, the, it was it the insurance? Yeah. No, no, it was insurance. The insurance thing that it was the whole insurance, and you know he had Vatten and over he had Waldegard like they had you know these guys from the World Championship were brought over here, and again that was Bertie and Austin that did that all happen as well. And them using their their connections to make that happen, and uh -huh. you know that, that adds great credibility to the event as well. Like and yeah. people come to see the event simply because them drivers are there. Like. Yeah, uh -huh. you know, and there's a big do if you remember the night before the event, there was a big. Um, Sort of a forum and Fisher Engineering and yeah. all the drivers there to meet them. Right. It was a huge crowd. Uh -huh. Yeah. I And, yeah. you know, again, you know, this was them guys out there for the good of rallying. It wasn't about publicity for Bertie Fisher or Austin Fraser. This was for rallying that they were doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, of course, he was a great for Manaman and he, you know, he was very proud for Manaman as well. So mm -hmm. they, when they brought that rally there, they made, you know, they made, made sure it was run to a very high standard. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you know we can only but hope that the two guys are up there now, setting the standard up above <laughs> now, keeping us up. Can you imagine handling up there at the minute? <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop! I, well, it's great. But, yeah, it's a nice thought, as, as you say. Like so. Um, uh -huh. No, it's a sad week, really, and you know uh, it's it's nice to remember all the good things about them, and you know, um, uh, like I have very huge fond memories of Austin and different things, and. I'd say probably have some paperwork here if I look through some uh -huh. of the stuff here, you know. Yeah. So um no, that's he was a great man and he'd be a great loss. And to Doreen and, and Nigel and families, like it's um they're the ones that feel it most like. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I think the guy that summed it up best yesterday was Cahill Curley. He says, I knew when I was going at ten tenths. Austin knew whenever I was going at eleven tenths, and he just put out the hand home with what was it, just calm down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, Cordy is from Great Yarns, and he used to say as well that if he drove well on the stage, and uh, Cal was a wild, was a wild smoker, smoker back then, he would pull out the strong cigarette and give him a strong cigarette, but if mm. it didn't go so good, he would give him a silk cut or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, what, Cal always knew what was the, what was the, if he did a good time or a bad time. <laughs> what cigarette you got? <laughs> So, Austin, you'll be greatly missed, and we hope you rest in peace. <laughs> Thanks there again to Rory, and deepest condolences to Doreen, Nigel and Gail, and the rest of the, the friends and family of Austin Fraser. Um, last weekend saw the start of the WRC with Raleigh Monte Carlo, and once again, you know, the WRC 
lived up to expectation, change of leaders, uh, frantic battles, all going down to the, you know, down to the Sunday. Fair to say, um, Connor, that the new format worked reasonably well for the first time trying it. It certainly seemed to. Um, what do you call it? I suppose we're all a bit, you know, a bit of trepidation. You know, how is this going to affect things? What's it going to do to Sunday? Will it give everybody, you know, that extra incentive to go for it? And certainly seems to have worked. Um, you know, it was great. It was OK. We didn't know the final results until the end of the day to see who got the Saturday points, etc. But it certainly added to the excitement of it all. Yeah, I look, you know, in some ways it probably actually worked against Terry Neville. He came away with the same points as he would have last year. But, you know, I think OJ actually came away with a few more points finishing second. <laughs> that seemed a bit strange too, didn't it? It did a bit. I just want to say thanks for having me, first of all. Um, I've made it back. I'm the official <laughs> imposter of this podcast for some reason. And for those watching on YouTube, I've upgraded my webcam setup as well, so you're not staring up my nose, which is probably more pleasant. <laughs> but you're, you're right. Uh, as I say, I, I did a bit of math. I can't remember. I don't actually have the notes in front of me. But I do remember that certainly for OJ Evans and the likes of that behind Newville, they all scored more points than they would have done as, as if this rally was last year. So Newville aced it. He had three chances to have to score the most points. He managed all three, but yet his lead is smaller. So what that should mean, in theory, is that the championship fight this year will be closer, which I think is something we would all love to see. And I guess it's one of the things we were expecting this year anyway, with Mr. Robin Perrin to go part-time. But mm -hmm. yeah, I'm with, with Connor on this one as well. I think we were all a bit nervous to see how this would work. I think it's possibly too early to declare it a success. We've not got anywhere near a large enough sample set. And this rally, the way it was set up after Saturday was close anyway. So I think regardless, it could have been an interesting finish. But I don't think it was as confusing as people were fearing, put it that way. So um, yeah, onwards and upwards. We'll be curious to see how it works in a few weeks in Sweden as well. Mm -hmm. Luke, sure. to compliment you there, you you had put a post up after the rally showing the difference in the points and just um, what do you call it between Neville and OJ, there's a six points difference versus an eight points difference, you know, based on this year and, and last year's system. So, I mean, it's make, making it a closer fight. Well, there you go. That's exactly what we want, isn't it? I, I guess OJ is a funny one because he effectively doesn't matter, does he, in terms of... But yeah, as I say, I'm sure Evan's got 21. If I, I don't know how many points he got in Paris stage, is going to confuse me, but he wouldn't. He couldn't have got 21. No, he could No, he couldn't. If he was third in the rally, he couldn't have got 21 last year. So yeah, the, the guys have... The guys that aren't winning have more of an opportunity you now to sort of lessen the deficit to the championship mm -hmm. leader. So, yeah, by proxy, that should mean we have a, a closer fight, which is, as I say, great news, really. It's what we always want. Mm -hmm. And again, sorry, I'm... Kevin, I'm jumping in again on yeah. you, but that closer fight just on the Sunday piece alone. So OJ finished third on the Sunday and Tanik was fourth and there was a difference of 0.1 of a second between them which meant the difference that d determined the difference in one point as well. So if this championship comes down to a point difference, <laughs> you know, of Tanak winning or coming second, or, you know, it, it, that could be decided by 0.1 of a second. This is it. There's so many ways now that you can, that things can be won. But what's interesting is I didn't know that, which is, first of all, cool. But secondly, I don't know if it worries me, but again, I, I didn't, I watched the Paris stage. I wasn't paying as close attention as I have done in the past because I wasn't working the weekend. <laughs> it's just strange to me. But it's, yeah, I, 
I wonder if there's a way, maybe, because I, I did see this come up a little few times online that people were saying that you sort of understood the concept, but it maybe wasn't shown in the clearest way. There wasn't like a separate graphic or anything, which maybe feels like a bit of a missed opportunity. If you've got this thing, you might as well shout about it. Like that's, and I know in the, when a row is getting wrapped up, you care about who's won, not that 0.1 of a second has split some Sunday points, but it would have been good to know that and see that and have a visual representation of here is the Sunday classification, because as far as I understand, it didn't do that. Um, but that's a simple fix. That's just a case of some graphics, isn't it? So mm -hmm. I'd say that's definitely not a, a concern. But interesting. I like that. That's how close it is between the model, isn't it? Which is, yeah. which is great to see. Mm -hmm. For sure, for sure. And like Elspin Evans, you know, we talked about his sublime mm -hmm. performance in Japan, seemed to carry it into Monte Carlo. And then, you know, the hybrid issues seemed to just knock the, the one out of his sails. So unfortunate because he had a great Friday and, and Saturday morning. Yeah, rally of two halves, which sounds incredibly cliche, so I apologise for that. We can put a euro in the little swear jar for that. <laughs> but, yeah, brilliant start, I have to say. I, I don't want to go as far as to say I was surprised by it, but I was certainly impressed by the momentum he carried on from Japan and, and the start he made. Yes, I guess he was potentially in the best place on the road, but he made full use of that. Mm -hmm. He he was quick as of both stages, took the lead, held that through Friday, even though he didn't win a stage. But I think it was Saturday afternoon wasn't it that was particularly damaging like he, he lost a lot of time in in those few stages and that will well i've no doubt that'll be some head scratching and analysis to work out where where that time was going but it seemed to be that in the second pass conditioning when the road wasn't as clean he wasn't quite as comfortable whether that's uh, a wider thing whether it's just a specific monty setup i don't think he had a particularly difficult test in terms of road conditions i think his road was quite dry so that obviously counts against and you have so little testing time now that whatever you hold yourself in for you kind of you can perfect that but when it gets tricky you might not have the right car underneath you and he responded on the sunday to be second fastest didn't he behind Thierry so it was by no means a, a bad weekend for him I guess if you look at the context if he was leading he'll be disappointed but I think third and Monty a podium of Monty is always a great way to start the year what you don't want to be doing and Evans knows this because he's been here a couple of years ago is is leave the event empty-handed it just puts you on the back foot immediately in the championship and yes he's he's lost a little bit of ground to Neville but Neville has to now open the road in, in Sweden so it all works out doesn't it um sure. so yeah no I would say it was a it was a good start for Elvin in what should be a a very exciting year for him uh mm -hmm. <laughs> he's sort of carrying the torch alone against the two Charging high and dies, but but yeah, solid start. Mm -hmm. And Connor, like you know, Oje got into the lead then. Never uh, Evans had his trouble, and we thought, here goes the the man from Gap's going to start the the steamroller is going to start to roll. But Neville wasn't going to give it to him handy. No, he he wasn't, and he certainly did. And I and and two things I want to come back to there on on Elvin, um. You know, Elvin had a few issues with a hybrid on Saturday. And you kind of wonder with OJ to getting ahead, but did he play it safe? You know, could he see where it was going and thought, well, look, there's no point in putting this championship on the line here with OJ's only going to be part time. So, you know, maybe he could take the, the third place. Um, with regard to OJ, his head wasn't fully in the game. You know, he'd lost his uncle just before the event um and and certainly wasn't the, the Sebastian OJ we're all used to on, on Monte Carlo uh, and Neville. You know, pretty much a dry tarmac rally. We know Neville's good and quick. So OJ's quick as well in tarmac. But everything just seemed to align nicely for Neville. He seemed extremely relaxed. We were all wondering, would he come to Monty with the pressure of Tanak being a teammate? 
and that doesn't seem to have phased him at all this time around. Mm-hmm. I could like to hear him coming out with you know perfection things words that got there so unlike Neville you know he's always seems to be just never quite just everyone's just not quite right to hear him saying things that got there is like a breath of fresh air and like, if this continues look he's, he's going to be hard to, to live with this year yeah I, I, I've uh, done another podcast this week and I've got myself a little bit <laughs> overexcited potentially about what this means it is round one of 13 and it is a rally Thierry's done well at but to me this was huge like a massive performance a huge statement I think has been delivered here because you're right Thierry's all we know how good he is particularly on these kind of events but he's never certainly not in the rally one car but I'm struggling to think of a time kind of ever really where he's looked just this comfortable and happy with there's always something there's always something mm-hmm. not quite right that needs to perfect but here it, it looked effortless it was yeah it was proper swashbuckling stuff like we've, we've talked about OJ and I have to say I think the to finish second given what was going on is remarkable achievement I, I really do think that's incredible because it'd be so easy and so understandable to have not bothered taking the start but to put all that behind you and still produce the goods, yes, it wasn't quite the dream 10th win, but I think that was an incredible achievement. And it goes without saying we wish Seb and his family all the best. But yeah, with, with Thierry, I get the feeling that nobody was beating him. Even an OJ on song would have struggled to beat that kind of Thierry. He he mm-hmm. he just he looked like he woke up and said, Nope, this is mine. I'm having this. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, really, really impressive performance. But as you say, we'll, we'll have to see. Whether it continues, because I guess the the question mark with Thierry has always been, at least, and I know it probably happens to most drivers over the course of a season, but there's usually one or two mistakes that feel kind of avoidable with Neville in the past. So whether he's ironed that out is the question we'll have to see. But on that kind of form, yeah, I agree. This was a a very well-timed performance. As as Connor said, we're all talking about Tanak coming in, and then Neville goes and does that. And, and, and Connor, sorry, go ahead, Connor. No, I was going to just come in with a point, not to take away from Neville's drive at all, because, you know, bar one incident where the car got, you know, went light at the rear and spun on a corner, he he seemed to have a, a, a perfect drive. But last year, Lappy came, joined the team, and Lappy discovered something in setup changes that they made in testing, and that made a difference in the Hyundai over the second half of, of, of the WRC last year. This year, they've come in with completely new suspension setup and a new suspension supplier. And the suspension always was the weakness in the Hyundai setup. And I wonder, is that also being the extra missing piece from the jigsaw that that's, you know, putting it all together for Neville this year? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. So it's interesting just to see how there could be, this could be the, the, the key. I think it's a very good point. I think the car definitely, well, something changed in it, hadn't it? Like he, mm-hmm. he he looked happier, yeah. yeah, by virtue quicker. Um, so yeah, I think the car definitely had an impact. I think that's the only thing that maybe Hyundai is is missing now. It's got this brilliant team leader, this amazing roster of drivers, this fantastic technical brain. But I think a push come to shove. If all of us three were asked, will we take anything to be? <laughs> like to try and win and go fast over rally stage. Probably nine times out of ten, you at this stage are probably going to take the Aris. So I think that's the only weakness. But I would say if there is a weakness, it's not a big gap at all, is it? That Hyundai is getting good, which mm-hmm. I imagine is is worrying a few of those in Yvaskula right now, to be fair. For sure, for sure. And Tanik, you know, like he had his issues on Friday morning, but like strong performance by him too, like first time back in the Hyundai and all. Connor, 
Uh, you know, uh, it looks promising for Tannock now. Is the, is the year going to progress, I think? I think it does. I think it was a sensible drive by Tannock. He wasn't trying to put it all on the line. Monty's somewhere that hasn't favoured him over the last few years either. He's he's had, you know, different issues or bad luck on the Monty. Um, I think it was a good drive to get settled in. He's taken fourth place. Uh, and again, really, you know, one of the, one of those people ahead of him is OJ, who's on a part time. So he can kind of rule OJ out to a certain extent, possibly mm-hmm. in the championship fight. Um, so I think it was a solid drive by Tannock. He's bedding himself in, seemed happy, seemed contented when being interviewed. And, you, you know, we've seen him in the past where he can be a bit surly and, you know, sar- sarky or one word answers to, to the questions. But he didn't seem to have any issues or anything to be troubling him with the, with you know returning to the team so i think it looks good mm-hmm. and look i think one of the, the standout drives from the weekend was adrian Fermo and the the puma like he you know like i can't think of any major he done over the weekend he had a very clean rally and seemed to be driving well within himself as well yeah, I'll caveat this with the same thing I said about New Villain. It's round one of 13, so I don't want to make a sweeping statement and say, yes, he's answered the big question that we all had about him. But based on this evidence, yes, he has. I think everybody knows and saw that last year he seemed a more composed driver, but it's, dare I say, easier to do that in WRC to rally to slightly less pressure. Obviously, I'm not quite as fast car as rally one so this was the big question was could he then translate that newfound sort of form into the big class i was quite hopeful and sure that he would and as you say he he did exactly what he needed to do in monty Mm -hmm. the thing that impressed me most is he sort of lets up on sassy that he'd effectively been asked just to not go crazy just to keep what he had and that that's discipline isn't it and Mm -hmm. i think that's the one thing he was maybe missing two years ago when he had that pretty difficult season so so yeah strong strong pace nothing like earth shattering but nobody was expecting that he did the job it's a, it's a great foundation to build on um so i think within the m sport camp now i think there'll be some decent positivity because monster as well as much as he was unfortunate to not quite make it through all the stages that the mistake he made was minor as anything he was punished mm-hmm. very heavily for that yeah. he himself had a third fastest time so it's a different ball game, obviously, to last year. They're not in the race for the drivers' championship, but I think in a way that's probably better for a lot of the. Sorry, from a team atmosphere perspective, I can imagine it's probably a, a, an easier place to be right now because almost everything you achieve is a bonus now. Yeah. Ev- everyone is expecting High and Down Tail to the fight for the championship. So anything M Sport can do to get in there amongst the silverware, I think, will be will be pleasing and and seen as a good result rather than when it was Tanak who everyone expected to be driver's champion if he finishes second it's like why aren't he first whereas now the script has flipped so from a psychological perspective i can imagine that's it's quite a nice thing for the boys and girls there at the minute mm-hmm. and then takamoto then you know it went off the road on friday morning but like you know it was a difficult bend there's a few other guys had issues at the same corner but he set some strong pace over the weekend too so again you know we'll not read too much into it but you know it's coming off the back of japan into that Two, you know, reasonably positive, maybe not results, but drives. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's difficult to read into Taka's result in Monty because you're right. I think he, he paid a very heavy price for his mistake because two others made it, but Taka came off worse. But as you say, from then on, he identified that his best chance that weekend was to prioritise Sunday because of the extra points he'd then get for going quickly through there which which worked out for me did very well on the Paris stage in particular so yeah I think a, a solid weekend he, he got through without any major mishaps I think Sweden is now going to be a, a very interesting rally for him because we know how good he can be on the faster stuff so yeah he's laid himself a, a good a good foundation I think mm-hmm. 
I was going to say, look, the, the, there's nothing worse than doing that. What if? But, it, you know, tackle lost about five minutes. And if you took the five minutes off where he finished, so he finished up in um, seventh place, that would have put him in fifth behind Tannock, which is where he would have been aiming for anyway. You know, so he would have been doing well to get higher than that. So, yeah, yeah, unfortunate. And, you know, hopefully he has better luck. But, you know, a good solid drive bar the, the, the issue with being stuck in the ice, being beached. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the video f- uh, f- footage and all from Thursday night, you know, the, going up the, the side of the mountain and the flares and the fireworks and all. Like, it was like a throwback to the, the Group B days, Connor. It was spectacular. It was. It was funny, and I I was watching it with my son, and uh, his his reaction. He's fourteen. He's like, "Oh, that's just like Portugal in the old days, <laughs> you know, when you had people leaning over the barriers and stuff." So yeah, it was. It was just bringing you back to to memories of you know people trying to touch the cars and just nuts with the fireworks going off. Some fabulous footage out of that. Yeah, I uh, you know look, that that will showcase rally into such a wider audience there as well. Well, that's it. This is the thing. I think it proves nothing else that rallying still has a big fan base as well, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And there was no nobody would turn around and look at that and think, "Wow, there's no one there." <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was incredible. But yeah, it's one of those where I just really wish I was in among it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 most days. I'll be honest. That I'll look at professional co-drivers and drivers and think, "I wish I was you." But I looked at James Fulton's Instagram story and I saw him there and I was like, "You lucky swine!" I was like, oh, "What I do to be you right now?" But yeah, it it looked utterly incredible. The, the still imagery, in particular, from that is is nuts. I know you two both appreciate. So we need to get yeah. either one day and uh, definitely. Kevin, do you think we can recreate that on Mall's Gap when the WRC comes here? <laughs> we can, but hopefully we can. But <laughs> and then you know, like look, the WRC two battle. You know, we're we're hearing all these stories and rumors. That, you know, next year they're looking at maybe going down the, the rally two route. But like the what a battle. Three guys get into the last stage, less than six seconds covering them. That's some rallying. Crazy. Um the funny thing for me is if you looked at it out of context and purely saw the result and you think, oh Johan Rossell won the rally, it's like, okay, that's to be expected. But the way he did it was nuts. Because uh-huh. he was never this is the thing, he was never far off that lead fight between his teammate Gryzen and, and Pepe Lopez in the Skoda. But he was always like lurking. He was never the one we were focusing on because Ryzen and Lopez were the ones that were constantly trading the lead back and forth. But I don't know what he had for breakfast on Sunday morning, but <laughs> something gave him the go-go, didn't it? He was, he was yeah. off and it was, yeah, quite quite a special way to win. I have to say in these scenarios, it's the classic, you, you're happy for the winner, but you feel for the loser. It was really hard on, on Lopez. He'd done very, very well. Mm-hmm. But on that kind of performance, and you have to assume a, a double RCT win will come for him quite soon, but... But yeah, you're right. As always, it's it's a class that keeps delivering entertaining rallies for us all. Yeah. And Connor, then a wee bit closer to home, our own uh, Eamon Bowen and MJ McMorrissey claimed the, the the Masters title as well, too. Uh, great to see. And, like, you know, just no bother. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, come here, Eamon and, and MJ. Just, yeah, uh, look, it's always fabulous seeing them out. And they, you know, came home, another decent result, 24th overall. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. And having switched back to the, the, the Fiesta, having competed in the C3 there for the last few events as well. Mm-hmm. So, fantastic drive for them. And, uh, yeah, great. I think, did MJ leave the trophy behind or something? Did I hear? No, no, it, it has it in the, in the service truck coming. Ah, grand. Right, so we, <laughs> he'll get it in a week or two. <laughs> <laughs> so that you know that kind of wraps up our Monte Carlo uh, look back.
but we'll catch up now. We'll think we'll start talking about Galway. And we started the Tarmac Championship. Um, a few short months since we were last in the Ulster, I suppose, was the last round of the, the Championship. Unbelievable that we're ready to go again. And Connor, <laughs> what a lineup there's going to be. Oh, fantastic. Listen, we've, we finished the Ulster watching Adrian Formo. And now we're going to start Galway with Matt Edwards, with Keith Cronin, with, we're going to call it Josh um, and Callum and, St- and the usual crews. Like, it's just phenomenal, the entry that that, that rally has attracted. Mm-hmm. It really is. Like, look, this is, you know, oh, with Bar, you know, Marion Evans is not back this year or Ali, Ali Fisher, but that's a strong lineup. There's not many guys missing that you, you expect to be there. Yeah, you're right. I think you've named the only two that you maybe yeah would would think could potentially be there that that aren't. But it, yeah, it's not. You've got all the, the usual suspects. But yeah, I, I think the addition of of Cronin, I guess in particular, really intrigues me. And it's not to decry the entry of Matt Edwards because we know how exciting that is. But we've mm-hmm. sort of seen Matt show his hand in Ireland recently. Mm-hmm. Keith, it feels weird to say he's an unknown because <laughs> it feels really harsh to a driver as a accomplished as him. But he hasn't done anything in Ireland for a long time now. So I'm really intrigued to see where he he fits in. He's not driven since, what, the Jim Clark back in May. So Mm -hmm. he's obviously at a bit of a a disadvantage there, but this has always been the case with Keats, and he always shows up and he's very, very quick. So Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to see that he. it looks like he's committing to a a full season as well. Um, I think they were very excited to say that my press release from that from there landed about six times away in box today, so they're very keen to tell the world <laughs> that was going on. But it, it's great to see, isn't it? And I think very interesting again the number of fiestas that we've got in the mix, both Matt and Keith in them, mm-hmm. probably makes sense given how far the car came on last year. Obviously, the other exciting news and very intriguing news is Josh Moffat in the Citroen as well. How quickly you can get on top of that car, I imagine, will be quite. Quite key. I did see someone that was maybe considering the high end die, but thought, well, if I'm going to get used to this car, drive this car, I better get used to it now. Like he could, he yeah. could have maybe been quicker in Galway, but longer term, it's it's a safer, more sensible bet to drive that car. And very mm-hmm. interesting. And obviously, Callum starting as as reigning champion once again, back with Noel in the in the polo. Um, you can't call it, can no. you? Which is the best. Yeah. It's the best you can say about any rally at this stage. Is you have no idea anyone in that top ten could win it. Genuinely, anybody. So, Aye. you know, yeah. you have to say Callum. You know, starting with you know the same car, same team. You know, possibly slightly the favourites tag. But as you say, Cronin, like two thousand and sixteen, I think the, the last time he rallied in Ireland. Well, the Tarmac Championship, anyway. So you know, what's he going to bring, Edwards? You know how quickly will Josh settle? Sam, you know Sam. If he like he he led Galway early last year too, you know. So and there's so many other guys: Daisy Henry, Johnny Greer. It's just uh, <laughs> it's going to be something else. And the you know the new C three trophy as well. That's you know great to see manufacturers get involved in the, the sport now as well too, Connor. Oh, it is like you know we we've been missing that for a while you know, to have a a championship within a championship. So it is good to see you know it, it's you know we we all love a one make series, and I know this isn't it, but it's nice that that Citroen are getting behind this and what do you call it, race and rally, or or, or you know have organised this Stellantis Cup. Mm-hmm. And like the money involved in you know the, the C three uh, trophy in particular. It's, it's, it's decent wide cash you get for one you know if you won the c3 trophy you don't even have to win the rally as long as you're the first citron home it's a it's a nice lift at the end of it please go ahead <laughs> completely not to be sniffed at is it i think yeah. it's one of the things that people that if somebody sorry doesn't understand rally one of the things they're always confused at is 
the fact there is no prize money that <laughs> take home is like it's just a pot isn't it effectively obviously it's great it's historical and whoever wins it is delighted with it but you it's not you know what i mean but it's a rare thing particularly mm-hmm. nowadays to have that so yeah, just just to reiterate, massive, massive kudos, I think, to everybody's organized, particularly Raymond Moore at, at Race and Rally. It's because mm-hmm. it's not just this, they've got the, the Stellantis Cup with the two weights and the courses as well across Ireland and the UK. So mm-hmm. what they're doing this year, I think, is genuinely game-changing. And I think we'll notice a lot more people in those cars, which is exactly the point from manufacturer's perspective, isn't it? It's the whole idea, is it works for everyone. The drivers mm-hmm. get something out of it, but the manufacturers way more of their cars out competing, which is great for them for for selling more of them marketing everything else so it's a complete win-win situation i I have to say i never thought the day would come back that we get it so it's great to see it yeah it's been so long like we like i'm myself and connor is old enough to remember you know the 205 309s you know the evo cup you know all those different and they were what bred you know world champions you know the colin mccray richard burns come up through you know the, the persia cups and all that then too and Chris Meek, uh, Ryan Champion, you know, the names go on and on and on. I know they absolutely do. And Mark Fisher, you know, another person that was, was doing very well in, in the Peugeot Cup as well and, mm-hmm. and, you know, could have gone on to good things. Um, So they do really help bring, you know, the, the, the club men and, and give them that lift and bring them on in the, in, in the competition. Yeah. Um, I think, I know, without further ado, we'll catch up with Kevin O'Driscoll, who is... Uh, the press officer for the Galway Rally. Kevin, it's unbelievable. We're in Rally Week already. Uh, Galway, it was only the matter of hours away now at this stage. Um, the Motor Club has pulled together a top-class entry once again. Yeah, it is impressive, all right. Galway has probably a tradition of, well, it might be numerically the strongest. It does seem to pull in at the start of the year. It does seem to pull in uh, a lot of top quality. And this year now is no exception. It's uh, some real, I suppose, intriguing battles in store for us, I think, in terms of who's there and you know, and the impact they'll make and even some guys probably further down the field that could be seated a little bit higher, but, you know, they used, yeah, it should be a good battle there now, I think, um, you know, it's, I'm looking forward to it. Galway is always good as a winter rally, it's unpredictable, so, yeah, let's see, let's see how it uh, how it pans out. Yeah, because like, we've all seen in the past, the, the Willard gods can play games with Galway as well too, and it makes tyre selection such a lottery at times as well. It does. Um, just looking at the long-term forecast, actually, it seems fairly benign this year. Um, you know, it's relative, relatively dry, I think, and, and not even that windy. But no, um, the territory they're going back to this year for the first time in ten or twelve years is is quite flat and quite open. So there's much room for shelter. No, no shelter if you are caught in a rainstorm. But uh, yeah, they're, they're nice stages. They have been, yes, they have been used since around twenty twelve, I think eleven or twelve. But yeah, they're been fairly well received now by the locals. To be fair, up there, you know, the residents, you know. For the most part, they're pretty happy to have it back there after that length of time. Um, yeah, they're they're good. They're good tests. They're good stages. So you know, as I said, it should be should be a good event. Now, as I said, it's nice to have a bit of a change. So again, after the last couple of years. Yeah, and you know, the, going back to territory that hasn't been used in about ten years. That's good for everybody because like sometimes you know we've seen the older rallies from familiarity. You know, it's not always a great thing, and it's good for the likes of Matt Edwards and Keith Cronin, who you know who are returning. The Keith returning to the championship. And it puts everybody in a, an even keel to start the championship off. It does, yeah, it does. It's a bit of a leveller and all right. Um, you know, as I said, nobody can say they're overly familiar with the stages, and that's a good mm-hmm. thing in itself. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, if you look down through the list there, I mean, there's obviously several there's several former winners. You have Josh, you have Keith, you have Declan Boyle, obviously you have Gareth and Austin down further as well. So they're all previous winners. And then you know, you also like about Edwards and, and these guys like who are winners elsewhere. And, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, if I was to pick 
I won't, I won't even pick a winner out of it, but if you were to pick a grouping, I think that'll that's from the off. And I'd, I'd love to be proved wrong and have seen outsider in there, but you can't really look forward to it. And then Callum, who's probably the most settled in his car. Yeah. Obviously, Keith and Matt and their fiestas, and then obviously Josh switching to a Citroen. So, you know, it'll obviously it'll it'll change dynamic a little bit. You'd feel that Callum might have the edge starting off because of knowledge with that car. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know Matt had been pretty quick in a fiesta when he's had one in the past. Mm-hmm. Um but as I said, like that, it's a goal is fairly unforgiving with those stone walls and there's plenty of them up in the Headford area. So yeah. um it'll be interesting to see how like last year Sam got off to the quickest start and okay, he didn't mm-hmm. win it, but he was still out there thereabouts after a bit of a layoff. But mm-hmm. you know, some drivers, you know, do like the Galway terrain and it, it, it suits them and you know, uh, regardless of the fact that it's slippy, but I think I think no they'll be the four that'll be there and I know as I said, mm-hmm. love to see one or two more break into like Desi. Desi's due a change of luck without doubt. And I think mm-hmm. slippy conditions probably in TV should suit him because he's, you know, forestry and all that kind of stuff as well. He should be more used to that. But mm-hmm. I think he's somebody who needs a bit of a break as well. I think if he gets um if he gets a good one, he could go well as well. But anyone in the top 10, 12, you know, even down further down, if you look outside the top 20, like you're looking at the likes of Gary Kiernan, who's you know excelled in the in the R5 mm-hmm. before you also have Eddie Doherty making the switch, you know, you Tommy Doyle who won't be still, you've Ryan Caldwell there, you know, among others. So like just there's serious quality there, you know. There's, yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's guys down to be David Kelly, you know, David Kelly is there in the polo. I'd be interested to see how he goes mm-hmm. in that. So um, you know, obviously we don't we're uh, Gary and um Jess Mitchell on starting from yeah. the top uh, twenty. So um but everyone else is there as of now and yeah, should be should be a good battle. Um looking forward to seeing I suppose how how the guys in newer cars or the guys that maybe wouldn't have much RC2 experience will shape up when when the um you know when the top guys go at it because like as I said, Keith has won the rally before but it was in the Subaru. He was very close in well, closer than most, I suppose, in sixteen when the when he won the championship and Gary Jennings was the world car, he was the best of the rest in the R fives at that yeah. time. So Keith won't be slow, you know. So no, I think then it, it's it's set here for a for a really good battle and looking forward to it. For sure, you know, and I think, you know, the, the thing that really will intrigue me is how will Josh settle into the Citroen? If he finds a sweet spot in that Citroen quickly, he's not going to be far away. We see how, like, he had that high on they just, he he just knew instinctively yeah. how it was going to react and what it was going to do. If he can get to that that sweet spot in the Citroen, he, he's going to be up there too. Oh, I think so. I think the Citroen, like, I mean, Josh was also driving an older version car as well for a long time, like, bar the time he switched over last year for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, the Citroen is, is a superior car, obviously, to the first CI Hyundai anyway. Mm-hmm. And if you look at those who have switched to the Citroens, well, they might always have, you know, been winning, but they, it's made them instantly almost competitive. If you look at, yeah. yes, he's probably the one who hasn't had as much experience in that car or looking in that car yet. Uh, Johnny obviously has been really quick since he switched over to it. Cam mm-hmm. McCourt was very quick in the Citroen last year. Yeah. Uh, Robert Barrable was very quick in the Citroen. So mm-hmm. I think it won't take long for Josh to settle in. I think if he does, you know, he will be, he'll definitely put it up to the rest. You know, if he gets the reliability off, you know, and as you said, find a sweet spot, I think he'll be, yeah, he'll be there, there was you know, Josh. Josh is a mm-hmm. serious competitor and you can't rule him out. Yeah. And another name you mentioned there too, like Austin McHale. You know, what can we say? The, the man's an Irish rally legend and, to, you know, making his return to Galway in the, the family focused WRC car. Like, you know, we don't expect him to be up at the sharp end, but, you know, the old competitive spirit and, the, the you know, the, the heckles get up. It's brilliant to see him back. It's fantastic. And look, you said you mightn't expect to see him in the top end, but Austin himself fancies himself for the top end. He, <laughs> he expects, he, he told me he's fully expects to be running in the top 10. That's his aim. And you know the old competitive edge will never go, so that's yeah. good. Um, getting rallied competitively in fifteen years, but you know, like I said, he's 
it'll be interesting to see how he goes and like obviously Brian is match fit because he'd been out the last couple of years anyway with um, mm-hmm. with Gareth so um, yeah, look I think I think he'll get out there and he'll enjoy it so who knows if he goes well he might see him out a, bit, a little bit more you never know um, yeah, it's great cool. to see him back he's the one who's won Galway more than anybody else six times so mm-hmm. it would be nice to see him put up a strong showing again this weekend and even just to have him out I think it's just fantastic oh, and have yeah. him out in an iconic car as well I think it's mm-hmm. it's brilliant you know um, so it'll be interesting to see him because obviously the categories aren't split anymore with the results you can see exactly where he's standing at any one time now so mm-hmm. yeah I, think, I don't think Galway's always been a good event for him and I think he'll you know he'll, he'll tip away he'll do fine he'll feel um, you know yeah. the, as I said he has that competitive streak that won't go off him so he'll, yeah. he'll give it his best no like he was one of the most fearsome you know characters whenever him and Fisher or him and Nesbitt went head to head like he was the, never the first one to blink no no he, he just had that refusal I suppose to give in you know the yeah. stubbornness and that's what you need to have at that yeah. level and that's why he was so mm-hmm. successful um, yeah just a serious competitor that's what he was you know all the way through from his Initial battles with Billy Coleman right through to, yeah. as you said, to, to Bertie Fisher and, you know, uh, with James Cullen, with Andrew Nesbitt, with everyone, Eugene Donnelly. Yeah. I mean, he was still leading Galway up to 2004, you know, in, in yeah. rallies, you know, because mm-hmm. just, it was, it, it is, he did say it, it's his favourite event, his favourite roads, club, the whole lot, his, he likes everything about it and, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's probably a good one, like, if he is planning to do a couple of rallies this year, it's definitely probably the one he would choose to, to come back and, mm-hmm. and make a return on, you know, so. Brilliant to see, brilliant to see. And then in the modified section, like, uh, you know, it's going to be a strong there too. We have, you know, uh, last year's champion is uh, Alcorn back out again. And like, everybody scoffed and says, oh, Psycho will never last the distance and go away. You know, it's not the rally for him. And himself and John O'Donnell had a fantastic rally last year. And such a controlled and smooth rally. And the car come back, not a mark on it. Yeah, he did really well last year, actually. And, you know, he probably did open a few eyes, all right, with... um uh, with with the performance he had in and yeah look again like that this year he hasn't been out massively since but you know he's never slow no matter what happens he's never mm-hmm. slow um you know he'll have a good battle I think with Kevin Eves again like Kevin is obviously a great competitor as well mm-hmm. it'll probably you'd imagine it, it will come down you know if, if they don't have any mechanical mishaps or anything like that it'll be between the two of them Conor Murphy won't be a million miles away either yeah. um you know Frank is Frank Frank will always be there thereabouts as well come the so, end, you know yeah. Roddy Wilton you know um mm-hmm. I don't know if Rodney's done much Galway. We had not much riding in the last number of years, but he has done Galway in the past, but not for a good number of years now. And then obviously the two leader classes, you'd like to John Warren and Brian Lavelle had a great battle last year as well. So mm-hmm. be very interested to see how they'll get on. Um, yeah, you know, I think so that's, and, is this Frank Kelly's first time doing Galway as well. You know, he's done the summer stages, but I don't. Possibly, yeah. Someone mentioned that to me lately. I thought yeah. he had. I had it in my head that he had, but it could could well be. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, you'd imagine for somebody with forestry experience and CPU roads would probably, you know, be to his liking. Mm-hmm. I thought he had done it years ago, but if he has, it hasn't been for a long, long time, but it's quite yeah. possible he hasn't done it. Should be uh-huh. so. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and, like, you know, we've ta- we spoke to uh, Declan Casey about the historics. Like, that championship is going from strength to strength. 19 starters in the historics. It's spectacularly well uh, received championship. Yeah, there was 16 started last year in historics and it's 19 this year. And the other interesting thing with the historics was all those 19 entries came in in the first two weeks after opening yeah. and they're still there the whole lot of them so you know they're really they're great to commit when they go in they go and that's it you know um mm-hmm. very interesting to see how it'll go um i'm really curious to see how trevor wilson will get on in the bmw yeah. um he switched to the escort last year and he was just phenomenal absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. he's more power under this year so it could even be even more dangerous but uh yeah and like obviously marion drove very well last year too so you know there'll be a few guys there that'll you know i I suppose if I was to pick one out there, I would probably say 
probably Marion, but if if Trevor gets a good clean run, who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, and the like, just guys like Duncan and all these like behind him as well. That'll mm-hmm. that'll make it difficult for them. Uh, Ross Ford, guys like that, they're all quick as well. You know, there's mm-hmm. Tom Clark. You know, there's guys that are really really quick. Um, but I'm just definitely the one that's catching. And John O'Donnell obviously is out as well in the in M3 mm-hmm. as well. So. Um, Will Graham there's a few guys there now that should be quite interesting to see but I think that definitely is one that caught my eyes when it's just Trevor going into the uh, M3 because yeah I, I spoke to Trevor a few weeks ago uh, and he said like he left hand drive was going to be a wee bit of an issue but he, he had a left hand drive road car like, since around about Christmas time so you know this mm. is the, the seriousness these guys take it that you know they're already driving you know to get used to the left hand drive yeah, yeah. so uh, even in the historics they're giving that everything they are giving it but yeah that could be this event if he had much uh, experience in it but if the car is it, those cars are good and when they get when they work right they work really really well so mm-hmm. it'll be very interesting to see how um how they go like donna had a superb run in 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 his in the historic lakes in it and mm-hmm. said like trevor was really really quick last year when he made the switch from the porsche the escort a car that he wouldn't have been particularly familiar with and you know it was when he took two rounds of the championship afterwards you know mm-hmm. uh, so i think yeah it'd be good one now i'm looking forward to that battle as well and as always there's and of course rays and the subaru ray won't be t- a million miles away, either he's seriously competitive as well. So, you know. Yeah, and then the other name too, you mentioned there, John O'Donnell. John, you know, mm. can tend to be very quick and, uh, you know, whenever he finds his groove too, he can, he, he'll not be far mm. away either. Yeah, and I think that just, I suppose, that I probably have a distrust. I love the cars, but I have a distrust of the M3s. I just think that you can get them, they're brilliant when you get them working right, but they are a difficult car to get working right. Uh-huh. I think Donna, probably Donna's car in, um, in Killarney was probably as well prepped and as well sounding as any M3 in many, many years, I think. Mm-hmm. If, the, if you can get to, get the car to that level of, of reliability, then, you know, to be honest, there's nothing really that should live with it. Obviously, even in wet roads, a legacy may may do all right, but mm-hmm. other than that, an escort shouldn't, you know. So, yeah. um, But the problem again like that is 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 the reliability of them. There aren't that many of them out there, so, you know, they're probably not the easiest to tame either in, in wet yeah. conditions, but <laughs> at the same time, it's still great to see them out there because they are one of my favourite all-time cars. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because like we we we're both of an age. We remember them back in the day, <clears> and like whenever McHale and Fisher and you yeah, know that, that yeah. was that they were, they, they just were like, almost a through back to the a few years before at the Group B stuff, the rear wheel drive, the yeah. noise. That it's just they, they, there was something about them put the hairs up in the back of your neck. Yeah, they were. It was a great. It was a real, real. I suppose. I suppose monstrous sound of them. They don't like, like their typical German car, like the Porsches. They were another car, they were iconic. Same thing. They just had that distinct sound out of them, and <clears throat> they just. I think it adds to the whole racing feel of of, of it when you when you listen to them at a distance. So so yeah, I think um interesting to see how they go now, and it's, it's great to see them out there. Yeah, Eugene Megan is obviously there as well in a modern version and M1 as well in in the modifieds to make the return as well. So you know, again, he'd be another guy who'd probably be challenging the modified men as well. You can't rule mm-hmm. him out either. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then, you know, the juniors are making the, the back again this year too. And like, again, that championship was, you know, it was maybe hadn't huge numbers last year, but very competitive. It was competitive. You I think three or four drivers in with a shout going into the last round, or second last round or something like that. Now, like last year, there's only eight drivers entered and top seeds are Jason Gorham and Liam Egan, their Galway crew. So they'll be, <clears throat> they'll probably you know, this is one. I think this is Jason's third time actually doing the event, so he probably would have more experience than most. Uh, Keen Hines and Carl Fallon, another Galway crew there. Barry McIntyre did the junior championship last year. Um, you know, the other guys like Roland Dorian, um, Patrick Doherty, Dylan Sheehan, Jason Wilkinson, Owen Kelly. Don't know much about those, but I'm sure we'll know about them after the weekend. We know where they'll slot in when it comes to the junior championship and how they how they shake out. 
Yeah, and another class then too, you know, the, the start of this, well, you know, there's going to be the Rally 4 cars, but a lot of them's going down the, the 208 route. Now, there's some still sticking with their Fiestas and whatever as well, but this Stellantis Cup is going to be very interesting too, just to see how it, you know, I think it's going to be, as the, as the season progresses and more and more guys get involved in it, I think this could be a game changer for, for Irish and British rallying because uh, they're doing some rounds of the BRC as well. That's right, yeah, it's very interesting. I think there was like 13 or 14 Rally 4 cars entered actually in Galway. That was the last check I've done. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, it is, it is interesting. And obviously with the prize fund and everything that's up there, it's obviously very, very, it's a good incentive. It's a great incentive actually. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it's probably overdue, I suppose, really. But yeah, it's interesting to see that most of the top um, or Rally 4 guys there are in Peugeot's actually, like Keelan Grogan, Jack Brennan, Casey J. Coleman, you know, um, Aoife Raptor is there as well. You know, Ryan McHugh is like the outlaw of the first four or five there with the uh, with the Fiesta, mm-hmm. but but like that, you know, there's 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 loads of guys there that have a chance. Keen Caldwell is there, Joseph Kelly, like there's there's lots of guys there, and look, there could be a guy come in and uh, Rally Four that we would that, that wouldn't have would have gone under the radar before. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, could shake up the whole thing as well, you know. But there is quite a bit of experience in the first five or six I mentioned there, and that they've mm-hmm. done Rally Four rallying already and that does i think you do Callum divine proved that years ago mm-hmm. you need a year or two of those cars anyway just to kind of get yourself up to a real consistent speed mm-hmm. so anybody who's done a year or two already will probably have that that bit of an advantage i think mm-hmm. and that you know we've, we keep beating the drum of the day mi rally academy but we are like blessed by the you know the, the the depth of young talent coming through it's not you know two or three guys coming through and girls as well too you know Aoife, like is setting a phenomenal pace but there's there's probably seven, eight, maybe nine guys coming there to Galway that think that they're going to be in with a chance of winning the rally. Yeah, they're like, there's a bit of a conveyor belt as well. And obviously, like you can see the, the fruits of it with the likes of William Crichton's uh, results in the last 12 months or last mm-hmm. couple of years, even for that matter. You know, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's great to see. So, look, yeah, it's, it's great to give them a stepping stone to, to experience, I suppose. And if they're good up, they'll make it from that. But at least they're, they're being given the opportunity to do it. Yeah. You know, a lot of other countries probably don't give give their drivers that opportunity, and I think it is it is uh, it's interesting, and it's, it's certainly a fantastic experience for our drivers. You even see it from like from William when he was driving, uh, doing the Rally Tree car in West Cork, for example. When I would have seen mm-hmm. him the last couple of years, and the style of driving, everything is just phenomenal. Just watching him, like you know that he's been abroad. It's mm-hmm. like when Alistair came back and Keith came back as well after their times away. That you know they're they're their lines and their way of taking things. You know, just just crazy. You know, crazy like brilliant to watch. Yeah. Uh, and you know that drip fed right down through then you know other guys seen what Keith was doing they seen what Ali was doing whatever you know yeah. and it made them push on as well so I think <clears> it really does benefit everybody yeah he did it did exactly and look I think if it's, it's like Craig as well if once somebody has a, a role model there they'll, that's what they want to aspire to and that's yeah. what they'll 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 aim to do you know try and get near and yeah it's not everyone makes it but look if, if these they should get the chance to try it you know mm-hmm. more luck to them yeah for sure for sure and then you know the Galway rally uh kicks off Friday evening, ceremonial start, and like anybody that's never been to Air Square for the ceremonial start, like it's one of those must-do things. Like the, uh, uh, there's just something very raw about a Friday evening Galway City, in the middle of the city too as well too, and like you have these randomers that's over looking to see what's going on, and they get captivated by it as well. It's almost been a good few years since I managed to make it into a square. Now, into the sign, <laughs> sign on room in the post office, but but yeah, it is. It is. It's always very very cold there too when you go in there. Yes. It's, it's always cold there square, but it is, and it's 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 a great it's a great way for I suppose. And you obviously a lot of families and a lot of kids in there just to see what's going on. And mm-hmm. I think um, it's a ceremony starting was was probably in Galway before it was anywhere else really for a long long time. And then 
kind of went off the radar in around the country philosophically. Now it's a big thing again, you know, this ceremonial starts. It's a great thing and it brings the rally to people. And they see what's going on, they see the cars, you know, the kids get excited, they want to see a bit more of it, they get out on the stages. And I think that's I think it's fantastic, you know. And um yeah, it's um as <clears throat> it I suppose the the timetable I have here for us really is just to give a rundown on it. It's um Scrutiny's kind of from one to six in the race course in Galway on, on Friday, and then you had the ceremonial start at seven thirty PM in Air Square. Um the Park Farm overnight in is in Galway Race Course. And uh service for the weekend will be at uh, Galway Airport near Carnmore. And it is open to the public, but it's pedestrian only, so you can only walk in because obviously it's just awkward to get cars in and out of there. So but but there is there should be um, parking around it anyway. But it is a good it's a fantastic facility to have. And again, I suppose uh, the, the club would like to thank the council and uh, Galway Flying Club for facilitating that as well. It's a really fine facility to have. Um yeah. So the stages in our eight stages in the Headford area on Saturday, and uh, that night then they're back to the uh, race course in Galway, and then Sunday the stages are in Monavay direction, and again like that there's um, service um, in uh, the airport again, and the finish then <coughs> comes back to um, the College Hotel at four thirty or there thereabouts on the Sunday evening. You know, so it's an early start, right? For anybody who likes their lions, both mornings. Uh, <laughs> I think the first stage is um, first stage on Friday, or sorry, first stage on Saturday is eight fifty one, and the first stage on Sunday is eight fifty two. So, yeah, <laughs> prior to nine o'clock, yeah, yes. so early uh-huh. bird. But it's uh, it's an early finish both days. It's um, like it's last stage is running at fourteen thirty six to twenty twenty to three or whatever on Sunday and on Saturday. The last stage is at uh, around quarter to four thereabouts. So yeah, it's 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 sociable from that individual you know, early start, but also early finish. Yeah, and like I suppose at this time of the year, you know that's probably a better because like, whatever chance you have of light, you better light in the morning, and then you don't want to get in dark, you know, in the evenings either too. You know, it's giving everybody a fair chance at the stages. You don't want the the later runners on into into dusk and the nighttime stages. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously as well, you have to finish your, you know, because you don't have a permit to run the rally in the, in, in nighttime, you have to have your rally kind of in, before sunset and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's all that's all factored in as well. But uh, yeah, I think they'll be they'll be getting the best part of the day anyway, and even start. It's always good to get it started early. There's no hanging around and just you know it's it's. it's I nice wait. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. And the Connaught Hotel has been very good to you now over the last couple of years now as well too, and has been a strong supporter of the event and Cora Boyle as well. Yeah, well, Carboyle have been brilliant as well because they've been there last seven seven years now. I think as as main sponsors, you know, they're mm-hmm. you know, proactive as well. You know, they're 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 great to get involved. They're great to you know they know what they want and you know they work with the club and, and get into where what both parties want. And likewise, the Connacht Hotel is absolutely fantastic facility. It's a, it's a really fine hotel. You know, mm-hmm. it's probably as nice a hotel as you'll find anywhere for headquarters anywhere. It really is top class, and you know the staff couldn't do enough for you there. Like they really are. They're they you know they're they're really big into the whole idea of the rally and they even said it in the night of the launch that um, it is their one of their big weekends of the year now regardless mm-hmm. of everything else that's on mm-hmm. it is yeah they, they you know I suppose when they went on when they went into it first they weren't quite sure what you know what to expect from it yeah. um and they did say yeah, it is uh, a bit a bit a bit hectic as I said but they like mm-hmm. it they enjoy it they're happy for the rally to be there and yeah they're very very supportive you know and that's all you can ask for yeah, and like you know, yes, it's a bank holiday weekend, no, but like what the you know we, you know we keep saying about it, but what a rally can bring to the you know the the, the wider community, you know the hotels are full, the restaurants are full, the pubs are getting a turn out of it, you know it, it trickles out, petrol stations are getting you know a few you know extra bodies going through, you know hot food counters, like rallying brings such a 
an uplift to the the local area for the, that weekend. It does. I mean, I mean, obviously, Lockway got it last year. Lockway will get a little bit of it this year because of accommodation. Now, this year is time for Hedford and, and I suppose Monavay and Atmarai and Clare Galway and all these places, you know, uh, Toome. They'll all get the benefit of it this year as well. But even you, you're saying Gort Gort, we get benefit out of it as well. There's going to be B&B is going to be required everywhere. So, you know, just it's just the nature of it. Um, you know, even already programs as well, like Carboil, just tend to distribute about half the programs at their own places. Um, which you probably see it in the outlets, but even already they're being sold, being sold out. You know, you know, there's a serious demand in programs this year. Um, so I actually don't know how many were published, but are printed, but but all in all, there's a massive demand out there for programs at the moment, and that's a good sign. That's that's you know that's that shows an interest for a long time. A program was the sort of thing that you know only a few would have got, but I've noticed in a lot of rallies in the last couple of years, if you don't really get a program by Saturday morning, you're probably not going to get one for any event in the country. That's mm-hmm. just the way it's gone. You know, and, and it's good. It's it's it's. It's it's revenue for the club that way as well. It helps you know go towards the costs of running the event and everything else. So it's great to have that kind of support as well from people buying the programs. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we also you know we always say you know a rally can't run without you know people on the on the you know the the, the marshals out there helping out. They are vital to make this happen. And I'm sure you're sort of the same as every other club around the country. You can never have enough marshals. Yeah, for sure. It's always always good to have marshals. Better have too many than too little. Um. Yeah, and. Patsy Finnerty's in the hot seat again this year for a chief marshal. So his number is 087-287-0702. So that's 087-287-0702. For anybody who you know wants to offer help or volunteer help for the weekend, it's much appreciated. And there's a little bit old marshal we can rally. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, your support is much appreciated. Um, I suppose any other bits and pieces, I suppose in terms of um, coverage, McBracken is covering the event, oh, yeah. uh, live streaming the ceremony to start. And there'll be a YouTube program and there will be a television program afterwards as well mm-hmm. in the coming weeks. Um, Galway Bay of him will have live updates as well on the rally over the weekend. And Killian Landy will be there with on the pace note as well after each stage. So I think mm-hmm. the event is going to be pretty well covered from all angles, I think, um, this weekend. So, yeah, so it should be, should be good. So thanks there to Kevin O'Driscoll. And he just wanted me to mention as well, uh, for just to thank the residents along the route. They have been so uh, open and helpful to make this rally happen. And to remember everybody then just to keep the race in its place this weekend. Um, I also got a chance to catch up with Declan Casey. And you know what Declan's like with his historic, so we thought we'd catch up with all things historic. Declan, we're on the countdown now to the Galway rally at the starting at the weekend. Um, once again, the historics have pulled it out of the bag. 19 entries. This championship keeps getting better and better. Yeah, we're on 19 at the moment. I haven't checked it now recently to see if there's any withdrawals, but the, the historics are normally fairly good to turn up in fairness to them. Um, up from 16 last year, so we're up three. Um, so very happy with that. And, and like, you know, the, every round that the, you know, the, the entries that the historics is getting, it holds really well throughout the year. There's, you know, there's some rallies, there could be two or three more or two or three less, but in general, it's always holding up around about the 15 to 20 mark. Yeah, we seem to we seem to have a good squad of of fellas that are after registering since Killarney, and uh, it's always a great sign to see crews registering because it shows their commitment to the championship for the year. <laughs> so um, we have a lot of regular faces now in Galway, and there's a lot of people aiming for West Cork as well because West Cork is two full days for the historic this year because they're recently after changing to a three day rally. So um, West Cork is going to be. I'd say West Cork will be as big as, as we've seen it in a long time because West Cork would be very, very popular with the historics, um, especially the Welsh crews coming over. They seem to like West Cork a lot more than coming to Galway, you know? 
So yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see how many actually turn up in West Cork and, and hopefully they'll all get a run, do you know? Um, we might have an issue with numbers, but we're, we're, we're trying to work it out. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, onwards and upwards. Yeah, because like, you know, I suppose like for West Cork, it's probably handy for the boat for them. And it always has been historically a real good, uh, you know, was connection to West Cork right before it was ever around to the Tarn White Championship as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just it's just one of them. It's just one of them rallies that has always and ever been um, very well supported by the Welsh crews, you know, and the English crews as well, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, seems to be growing now again recently. You know, we've had a couple of new Welsh crews last year who seem to like the what's going on over here, and um, it'll be West Cork again now before we'll see them. Yeah, but like you have to say, like this, the championship is so well supported. You know, yes, you know, with our own local crews, but like it's one of the few championships that has attracting crews to come from across the water this way. You know, which is great to see. It has, you know, that has to be applauded. Yeah, I suppose there's not there's not an awful lot of um, tarmac rallies in the UK for the historic boys, and um, sure, what we have on offer here is is top shelf stuff. You know what I mean? I mean. You can pick any round of the Tarmac Championship, and every one of them is fantastic. Like, do you know what I mean? You couldn't pick a bad one. They're all they're all super. Mm-hmm. And um, it is like you'd be talking to Duncan there and and Alan Watkins. Once you come over, once you come over and you experience that, and you see the crack and the and the camaraderie around the whole event, you know everybody is really trying to get everybody else to the finish and the social side of it and the. A bit of crack at night, and the whole thing is just fantastic. And um, once you come over, it's hard to not come over again the following time. Do you know what I mean? So, um, that's what's happening. You see, the word is spreading, and they're bringing their friends with them. And then the friends are saying, Jesus, uh, I'll go back there again. And he'd bring another fellow with him the following year. And it's just growing and growing, which is fantastic. And hopefully, it continues. Yeah, because like that makes you know that that's better good for everybody. You know that that's driving more rooms. You know hotel rooms. You know better. You know everything gets value out of this as well too. Like yes, the rally benefits from it, but the wider community benefits from it as well. Absolutely, yeah. Like it's nearly gone to the point now that you'd nearly want to sit down at the start of the year and you'd want to be deciding what events you're going to do, and you'd almost want to be booking your accommodation almost straight away if you haven't booked it from the from the last time you were there like i'm duncan again i mentioned him earlier he said to me he said west cork before i check out in west cork he said i'm booking again for the following year because there's no doubt i'll be back like do you know what i mean uh-huh. and if i and if i leave it go i'll forget and then when i go about it it'll be gone oh, uh-huh. so if you want to stay in the hotel you need to book it a year before like yeah so mm-hmm. that just tells you, like the the demand for the for the good accommodations. You know what I mean? Now, everyone will always be looked after. And Anthony O'Sullivan there, who's a good friend of mine, Anthony is from Clan, and um, he gets all the guys with the with the holiday homes, the summer holiday homes, to mm-hmm. to get them ready for the weekend of the rally. Like so, he looks after a lot of his tarry crews. Um, so we everyone will always be looked after. It's just how far away you are from the. Yeah. From the from the from the headquarters, but it, it doesn't really matter. Do you know what I mean? Because we all we all kind of move around anyway, and mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter where you're staying as long as you're close. You know, sure, sure. and the Galway this year too. It's, it's looking very positive. Like you know, we you know the weather. We never know because the Galway's Galway. But like 
no, 19 entries, and like there's, they're supposed to be real good stages this year, you know, they're using ones out Hedford, Monofay direction, sort of a wee bit different from maybe Galway the last few years, and a, a change of scenery is always good for everybody. Yeah, the Saturday is all based up around Hedford, um, three stages. Um, after having a look at them there now, there's some very, very fast stuff, very committed stuff over a lot of jumps and crests, very fast jumps and crests. Um, there's a bit of blind stuff, you know, brave stuff. Um, it'll all depend on the surface on the day, I suppose, how much a fella is going to commit. Um, but yes, slightly different from last year. Um, we done the recce last year, but we had to pull out at the last minute because my driver had a, a medical injury. Um, but the Sunday then, there's only two stages on the Sunday and. I actually did one of them in 2019, Colemanstown, with Hugh, who I'm sitting with this year again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that stage really turned into a very mucky affair, you know, as the as the as the as the day went on. There was the top cars were cutting it ferociously, nearly full car in places, and they were dragging out huge amounts of of mud onto the road for us. Mm-hmm. And then the second pass through, it was very 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 muddy and slushy and. Not nice conditions, you know, mm-hmm. but um, like you said, it'll all depend on how the weather is between now and the weekend. Um, but there's definitely um, a possibility that they're going to get very muddy again with the cuts. Yeah, I, because these are five cars. They are, you know, the the level of commitment that these guys are putting in now that, you know, the cut was only something you ever seen in the movie in the WRC and then it filtered into the BRC. And we're getting it more and more here now as well. Yeah, yeah, they're on a they're on a completely different pace to us. Like so, they're trying to they're trying to straight line everything as much as possible, mm-hmm. and, and try and keep the car going as fast forward as they can. And um, to do that, of course, you have to take the chance of, of of making the cuts. And the drawback for us then is when they do that, they're pulling mud out onto the road. The next couple of cars then are only squashy to run the place. And then by the time we get onto it, it's 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 a very slippery surface that we're coming into. You know, mm-hmm. the only hope is that a lot of the historics might be grouped together, and that we all kind of get the same conditions. But um, we have Duncan there now. I think is the first one on the road at fifty-seven, and then there's five or six of them together, and then there's a jump of about ten for the next kind of a middle group, and then there's another jump again, and there's cars from a hundred to about a hundred and seven or eight, I think. Mm-hmm. So like. There's going to be 50 cars after Duncan before the last of the historics get through, you know. So um, we'll see how the receding and stuff works out. But um, you're going to have a completely different road after 50 cars than you are after 100 cars, you know. Mm-hmm. So all that, is, all that has to be taken into account. But um, weather related, weather, the weather will play a big part. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, because, you know, even at this point, like we're on the Monday before the event, like, Long range forecast is great and all that there, but you never know until you pull back the blinds on that morning of the rally what the weather's going to Not do. Not at all, no. As we as we saw in Killarney, the like the top the top twenty historic cars headed out to the stage on, on a dry choice of tire and we were all sitting on the start line and we couldn't get out of the car because the the the, the, the shore was so heavy, do you know? Um I think Donna Kelly was the only one that had any even relation of a wet tire. Mm-hmm. 
on the beamer and it, it, it showed straight away on the, the his time was fantastic on the first stage, you know. Um I think he was fifteen seconds faster than anybody else. But like you said, it like the tire choice is going to be very important in Galway mm-hmm. and the conditions you'd nearly want to have somebody out there to give you a clue as to what the conditions are, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't really exist in historic rallying like <laughs> we're kinda we're kinda looking at Killian's videos and seeing what the top boys are saying about the road and what it's like and we might be we might have a chance to make a decision before we leave service, you know. Mm-hmm. But um you take every bit of information you can get and uh, try and get the tower choices as, as optimum as you can. Yeah. And the, you know, there's a wee bit of a change in the guard almost in the historics at the moment as well. Like the, you know, for the last few years Mark II has been the, the car of choice. The M three is starting to creep in there now. The M three is starting to become a little pain in the in the in the side <laughs> now, yeah. Um I think Trevor Wilson has has one for um, for Galway. Um John O'Donnell has one for Galway. Uh Will Graham has one for Galway. And I can't think of the fourth one now. Who's the fourth mm-hmm. one, Kevin? Help me out. Yeah, here. now you're asking me, you know, it's gone out of my head as well. It's a guy um, a bit further back the field too, isn't it, as well? And I can't think he's new. But I yeah, I, 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 the fact that there's going to be four of them, you know, it's we've seen in Killarney and we've seen in other events, you know, of the Yeah, they're very they're very strong. They're yeah. very strong. Mm-hmm. But I mean they're a lot more modern as well, comparing them to a Mark II. So like you've your you've your power steering a standard and you have the gearbox, the running gear, everything. Everything is just so much more modern, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but again, you have to you have to play with the conditions as well. Like if the conditions get very messy in Galway, an M three with, with lots of power could be a bit of a handful, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but sure look, that's progress. We can't stop progress. So if anyone's looking for a co-driver, that's for a, an M3, I'm available next year. <laughs> and, like, you know, as we, we're heading into round one, like, what is your hope for this year of the championship? Like, you know, it's come, you know, 2023 was a fantastic year for the historics. Onwards and upwards? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Onwards and upwards, yeah. If we, like, the, what we are hoping for is that you would have maybe five or six cars fighting for the overall. Do you know what I mean? If if that if we could get into that position, you're you're just you're gonna have a fantastic year. Do you know what I mean? So we had good start there now in, in Killarney. Um good few points on the board. So Galway now is a Galway is a kind of a finisher's rally really. You need to you need to keep our head screwed on and get around nice and safely and try and try and bag a few points. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to West Cork you can kind of, you can go again. And uh, West Cork is usually, it might be damp, but it's usually plenty of grip and uh, a lot easier to carry speed and stuff. Then we leave West Cork and we're going to Killarney. Killarney would be similar enough. Yeah, the Not circuit before that be- as well too, be- haven't you? Beautiful, sorry? You have the circuit Ireland before Killarney. Circuit right? of Ireland, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And that's on the new base this year as well too. Uh, that's right. Dungannon this year, I think, direction, aren't you? So. That's right. And then, you have Killarney, which again would be good, good, beautiful stages and and very fast rally. And then of course you've the Nigal, and then we have the Ulster and Car Twenty to finish. Car Twenty, mm-hmm. I think, is only one day this year. Yeah. Um, but like every single one of them is every single one of them. Like you're you're counting down the days. Do you know what I mean? Aye. Um, but we'll see now after Galway how things are shaping up. We'll see who's coming who's coming to the fore and who's who's registered because 
you can register in Killarney, you can register in Galway as your first event, and I'd say you could even register in West Cork, and you could still fit in enough rallies to get in your six out of eight, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's plenty opportunity for people to join in if they're not after joining in, in Galway, do you know? Yeah. And you, the, start, you can okay, start your and, championship in West Cork if you want. Yeah, because I remember we spoke last year and you said that, you know, there was so much interest from guys coming out of, like, Modified and even out of some of the modern stuff. And we're seeing that coming through, like, John O'Donnell's there, you know, coming up this weekend. And, That's like, right. You know, John's been in the Mark II, he's been in the R5 car, and he's, like, it'll be, I think he'd be very worth watching this weekend. Uh, uh, Trevor Wilson has moved out, you know, from the Porsche Stroke Mark II into an M3 as well. You know, yep. so there, there's lots of variables this weekend as well, too. So there's... You know, I think as you say, finishers rally, but you can't you can't just uh, tilt about either. You need to be going hard too. No, no, there, there's too many there's too many quick fillers now. You see, we're we're the victim of our own success. There's you've the two liter BDG guys, you've the M trees, you've the Chevette. Do you know? All these guys are not slow, like, no. and you'll see the best. I think the best way to see the. The, the speed of the historics is when the reseeding takes place on Saturday night yeah. and you see where they're put on the road on the Sunday. I think we were looking at it during the week. I think Marion Evans, who won the historics last year, I think he was 36th overall after the first stage last year on the Saturday. And then he continued over the weekend. He had a fantastic rally. I think he finished about 30th overall in the entire rally. Um, first historic car home. Um, but this year then he was he seeded 58 so you'd expect him again like from 58 to, to climb I know there's a lot more R5 cars this year there's yeah. probably 10 more maybe um, but you'd, you'd still expect him to be starting Sunday morning in the in the 50s or maybe the high 40s mm -hmm. um, just just to give an, an indication of the pace that the historics are at like mm -hmm. um, it really has it really has grown. The speed has really grown in the last two or three years. And um, and the gaps between the top crews are getting smaller. Mm -hmm. And the, with the four M3s now into the mix as well, it's going to be fantastic to see where they all slot in and uh, see how they get on and how many of these guys are registered. Um, but there is, a lot of, there is a lot of crews registered at the moment. So we'd be hoping that they'll stay with the championship for as long as it's as long as possible during the area. So thanks very, very much to Declan. And, you know, we're ready for Galway. Um, will we make any predictions? Is anybody brave enough? <laughs> um, Connor, maybe throw it at you first. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I don't think I could call it. I genuinely, yeah, I look, everything from, look, Callum looks like a favourite, but again, struggle in Galway, but that was more the car last year. Josh, can I get on top of the C3 that quickly? Um, will Max, you know, be on the ball? And, and Keith, you know, complete unknown. So I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm going to struggle here. I am struggling. I'm going to play the same caveat that I did when we did the, the WRC review podcast a few weeks ago with, with Bex Williams. And you haven't asked me prediction for what specifically, Kevin. So I'm, I'm going to say that uh, Who's going to win the goal we rally? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Um, to be interesting, because I think it would be an, a result that would really put the cat amongst pigeons, I'm going to say Matt Edwards. Thank you. 
Um, I suppose I need to say something too. Uh, I just think the fact that Callum has come in with the same setup in Austin last year, I think it may just give him a wee advantage on you know early in, early doors. And if he can hold that then through to the finish, that's where I'm going to go. So, Connor, you're not going to put any name on the hat? Oh, I'm going to go Keith. Right. Just to be different. <laughs> just to be different. Yeah. One, one thing we do know, it won't be last year's winner. We can say that confidently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was your caveat, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> we got a new winner this year, everyone. Yeah. A different one. <laughs> so... That was season three, episode six. I'd uh, like to thank yeah, uh, Luke for coming on as a special co-host tonight as well. And can you please, you know, we see the difference the likes and the shares make and all that. So if you can keep continue to do that, that's really much appreciated. And if you can subscribe to the channel as well too, it makes a massive difference. So until next time, take care, speak soon and bye. <laughs>